Last time I checked, grief is usually not considered to be a hilarious topic, but I haven't laughed this much in a podcast episode yet. Today's guest, Mary Lofgren, and I travel some serious grief and pleasure terrain. Mary shared vulnerably about her own grief, particularly around her divorce, a breakup, the death of her beloved dog. Despite both of us being practitioners of embodiment for some time, we get super honest about our own struggles and how refreshing it is to be reminded that absolutely no one has their shit together and everyone suffers with loss. Mary Lofgren is a certified feminine embodiment coach and the creator of Come to Your Senses, a podcast and global community of truth seekers and soulful savants who seek to live artfully and embodied. I'm beyond thrilled to share this conversation between Mary and I today. It felt like a best friend's sleepover to me. Lots of tender moments, lots of giggles and lots of raw, honest connection. I hope you love it. Welcome to the Sensualchemy School podcast, where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here, as we center the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask, within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive, and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leeper, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello, everybody. I am overjoyed to welcome a beautiful guest to the Sensual Alchemy School podcast today. Mary Lofgren, thank you so much for joining <laughs> me. <laughs> welcome. Oh, my pleasure. What a joy to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And I just adore you as I was sharing before we hit record. Your work in the world has a very distinct flavor. It is so magnetic and that should not be surprising because you too work in the realms of feminine embodiment coaching and beauty and pleasure and really just this um, idea of how we can live more alive. If, you know, mm -hmm. if that lands with you, that's really um, why I feel so connected to you and your work. There's this language that you speak around aliveness that just lights me up. So mm. I have no doubt that today we are going to go some places. <laughs> <laughs> and the way I like to begin firstly, just to drop us in, is to check in. And because grief and loss is a central tenet to the work of Sensual Alchemy School, I'm wondering if you can share with me what loss is alive in you right here, right now? Hmm. Oh, it's a great question. I'm just closing my eyes to locate that. You know what loss I've been really feeling today and of late is the loss of how I thought life would be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm for, in my 40s, I'm single, 
I don't have children yet. Um, I live alone. And that just is very different than what I expected and what I feel the culture expects of me to be valid. So I sometimes just feel like I'm walking around with this ghost of what should have been instead of living in what actually is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can share if there's any felt experience that accompanies this loss of what should have been. What does it feel mm-hmm. like? Mm-hmm. It feels achy. And it feels like a wet basement. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I used to live in a house that had just like a basement from the 1920s that had not had any irrigation. And it was like, yep, this feels like my soul (laughs) right now. (laughs) Wow. So visceral. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you on that, the ghost of... Yeah, just that ghost that just lingers, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> and so I, mm. I also just wanted to say that, like, this is where I feel like the work that you and I do around embodiment and feminine embodiment is so central because the very tip of my brain knows that if that was the life I wanted, I would have lived into it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that it's not what should have been because it's not what is. And yet only those seven or so brain cells are really on board with that in this moment. And I know that, you know, because I feel like what comes after that is the shame for feeling that way. Right. You know, Um And that's just why I'm so grateful for embodiment and for the work that you do is just bringing not even light to the shadow, but illumination to the shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two very different things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, Mm -hmm. for untangling that. And that's a, that's a huge pattern interrupt too, isn't it? When you can recognize that perhaps what, yeah, what may feel as though it would inevitably lead to that shame spiral can just be gently paused. And mm-hmm. and the truth of the matter can mm-hmm. can be felt. So yeah, that's so important. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there on the flip side of that or connected to that is a sense of longing that is present. Mm-hmm in your body, your felt experience right now? Mm-hmm. Mm, I really appreciate the invitation to drop into the felt experience. So for anyone who's listening, the, the deep breaths and the long sighs <laughs> are just uh, closing, closing down the eyes and going inside. And the longing, you know, in this moment, I feel a deep longing to be able to really know in my bones, I made it. Mm. You know, that part that's always striving, it should look different, it should be different. I need community. No, I need more alone time. No, I should go there. No, I should 
you know, like that part today feels really jacked up and underneath it is just this longing to, to just know that I'm okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And how profound it is to be able to drop underneath (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and locate again, another texture that might be more truthful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for really opening this conversation in a way that just feels so like my body now is just able to yield. And there's this, it's almost like the floor beneath me is just kind of caved in a little and is is holding me because sometimes we can really, I feel, jump into these conversations and have this agenda and and want to um, tease apart all of these rich, juicy concepts. And yet when we're able to just land together and maybe dig around a little more, we can actually come come together with so much more honesty and mm-hmm. yeah slowing that pace down oh feels so welcome in my body <laughs> thank you we need a sensual alchemy dating app <laughs> <laughs> like so yeah i agree like ding, ding, ding. Podcast, <laughs> podcast conversations feel like a date where it's like well what do you do what do you do you right. know and so and I just, I really go for the jugular on dates with <laughs> deep and penetrating questions that I appreciate yeah. that you do it here on the podcast too. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> and I think that, you know, people really pick up on that, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, as soon as there's, uh, yeah, that penetration of the uh, those outer layers, that shell, it's almost like, yeah, that in itself allows listeners to also just be with themselves in a way that is just so much more honest and and refreshing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm liking that idea, Mary. I'll uh, pop that in the archives of, <laughs> you know, with the other 5 billion creative ideas that I have. Right. Uh, <laughs> for the rest of the lives that I'm apparently living out. Oh, <laughs> glorious. Well, look, Mary, there was so many reasons that I just um, was so looking forward to our conversation today. And I was sharing with you before we hit record that you, in some of the answers that um, you sent to me with just some questions around where where might we, we want to dig in today, there was a number of things that really struck me as important to delve into. And that really just um, activated something in me that I feel I've been tussling with, particularly the last handful of years. And so I'll share what you what you wrote to me. And it's really about understanding ourselves differently, coming into a different relationship with ourselves. And subsequently shedding some of these labels that we in, you know, we have been just conditioned to pile upon ourselves. So you shared with me that it wasn't until you began treating yourself as a grieving person in need of healing instead of a pathetic or 
too sensitive, quote unquote, person who needed to get over it, that you started to really deeply heal. And that just reverberated through me with such uh, such truth in my own story. And then you went on to share that so much of what our culture characterizes as anxiety, stress, depression, you believe, and I know I've shared quite openly, I believe as well, you know, so much can be attributed to unacknowledged, unprocessed grief. Mm-hmm. And that can be quite confronting, I I feel, for people to hear, particularly if there is an attachment to some of the pathology, uh, if, if mental health labels have actually provided comfort and an understanding mm. of self. And, and so I just want to preface this conversation by saying that we are in no way, shape or form um, diagnosing or, you know, encouraging you to uh, detach from any diagnosis that actually feels right and true in your body. And I wonder, and I wonder if you too, Mary, are curious about how much of our grief we neglect, dismiss, downright avoid, and how much what we're holding on to or what remains in our system is actually impacting on our capacity to live fully and joyfully and with intimacy and connection and all of these things that we long for. Mm. That's my question. How does that land with you? Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to take a fork and knife to it (laughs) because it's... (laughs) it's really more than a meal. (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) Let's dig in. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, how does that question land with me? Well, you know, this feels like a vulnerable share, but here we are. And, you know, I wasn't fully transparent when I said what my deep grief was or the loss was that I was dealing with, you know, I mean, the, the thing I shared was a branch, but last night I had a dream about an ex-partner and it just catapulted me into a deep longing for that person and the love that we shared. And, you know, the love that, um, like the lovely parts, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like obviously if the relationship was a match, all parts would have been a match, but you know, there were certain parts that weren't a match and certain parts that just so were. And I just could feel in my heart and my body when I woke up the remembrance of that. And, you know, I share that because the feeling of shame and regret and should have done it differently, blah, blah, blah. I think, and, and not just think, but know in my bones is just a product of not being able to say it's okay to still long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been X amount of years, you know, because 
what comes in for me is like, it's been X amount of years. How is it that I still feel this way? How is it that this still happens? What's wrong with me? Get into action. Right. And um, some days that voice can be really helpful, you know, to like detach from the swirl of grief masturbation, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. You know? Yeah. Um, which I feel like sometimes I can use that just cloud of grief and that freeze of grief to not live my life. Mm-hmm. even though that's not the whole story of my life. It's just one pixel of my life. But then some days I am just so out of agreement with that grief. And I treat myself as a messed up person instead of a grieving person, which creates that disconnection that I feel like you're describing. Right. You have just, yeah, you've described that so clearly. When you treat yourself as a messed up person, as opposed to a grieving person, it changes everything. It changes the way you fundamentally relate to yourself, your humanness, your worthiness. It changes the way that you're able to relate and communicate with others about even what's happening in your internal world, what you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. changes how you're able to receive from others. It changes everything. I mean, that's just been, just hearing you say that has really just set off so much knowing in mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I notice it also changes my perspective on the thing itself. You know, so before sharing that, that voice that I described that was shaming myself around having those feelings centers that person, that relationship, that experience. But in talking about it with you now, it's like, oh, like my grief is evidence of my massive capacity to love Mm -hmm. and to emotionally bond with someone and to be awake to the pain that comes when that bond is separated. And so there's nothing wrong with me, you know, and there's nothing wrong with grief. And it's just one more page in the story of my life, Mm -hmm. not the whole book and also not a chapter that needs to be ripped out for me to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We've gone a little bit into the wormhole of metaphor, but (laughs) (laughs) I personally spend quite some time in that wormhole of metaphor. (laughs) It's where I feel very comfortable. So uh, I get that. I really do get that. And what I'm really wanting to hear more from you about, Mary, because I, it is incredibly unique. I feel like we kind of, there is so much um, similarity in the work that we do. And yet we kind of come at it from these different angles with these different, um, obviously lived experiences. Um, But the pleasure piece to your work is 
I mean, it's it's major. It's everything. And yet you don't shy away from the depths of grief. And I think that is, that's what really excites me when I come across a practitioner, uh, uh, a woman who is able to just really invite the full spectrum and in, and invite other women into meeting that in themselves. I think that's really big because we've got lots of pleasure coaches. We have grief coaches and therapists and, but yet really bridging the two, mm-hmm. which is this space that I'm, I've been inhabiting for some time personally. And then I guess this work is taking on its own shape, but I love I love how you speak to pleasure in your work and how it really does there is no there is nothing shallow about the pleasure that you teach and and the world mm-hmm. of pleasure that you inhabit and so I'd love to know a little bit more about how coming into relationship with your own grief and how really just being so open and vulnerable to your own embodied experience has supported you on the path of pleasure and aliveness? Mm -hmm. Great question. Well, I love the marriage of those two words, pleasure and aliveness, because I really feel like they're the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and when I am allowing myself to grieve, there is like a real sweetness in that and almost like an ecstasy. Like when I think about the times where I have just collapsed onto the kitchen floor crying or, you know, the altars that I have created to departed loved ones and sitting in front of them singing the songs that we sang at their funerals, you know, Like there is a holy rapture and aliveness in that. And, um, and I think that, you know, there is this surface relationship to pleasure where, you know, culturally it's like we associate pleasure with simply recovery or reward for exertion and hard work. Right. And I really relate to pleasure in the way that Audre Lorde describes the erotic, which is Mm -hmm. the fully feeling self, you know, us uh, animated by our life force, which I feel like when, when we truly are open to that grief, and I, I hesitate to say truly are because it, I find sometimes that putting that language around it when I'm in the cloudy grief where I'm like not grieving I'm just kind of stuck and feeling depressed and I know I should like get on my mat and like embrace the rapture of my grief (laughs) (laughs) like that that would be doing it right right yeah you know and then I'm not doing it not doing it right um but yeah I, I, I'll just end there and toss the ball back to you. Those Mm. were a lot of thoughts. Yes. And so much of it resonates and particularly this idea, just what you've mentioned then this 
right way of being with our grief. And I think where embodiment, the work of embodiment has become pretty trendy in the last few years, particularly, you know, it used to used to feel very niche. And, and I guess, you know, in when we're really talking mainstream, it's still very niche. But if you are involved in this world, it seems as though everyone's got their hand in the embodiment pie at the moment. And so it's it's an interesting <laughs> space to be in, right? Because you there's there's many levels to this kind of work. There's there's many different, um, I guess, lenses that you can look through and, and ways in which you can be in relationship to the work of embodiment and somatics. And so I'm really mindful that when something becomes kind of trendy and, and there's set language around how to do things right and how to be fully embodied and, you know, um, that we're, we're setting ourselves up for mm-hmm. even more angst and, and unnecessary pain. And so it's really struck me as you share this um, idea that pleasure isn't a reward for being with our grief in the right way. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can't just come to this work and and um, perhaps social media might paint it this way, but it's like, okay, I'm aware I'm grieving. I'm aware that there is a lot of unacknowledged, unprocessed grief within me. So therefore, right, I need to, as you said, truly open to it in the right way. And then I will find pleasure. <laughs> Ecstasy mm-hmm. will be available to me. And I think that that can be um, such a trap and it's all very poetic and beautiful to speak that way and it's actually so much less about doing grief in the right way as it is about, in my opinion, learning the language of grief as it moves through your body, your unique experience. You are the, you know, you hold that blueprint. And so whatever pleasure emerges in the process of learning the language of your own body, your nervous system, your heartache, your longings, all of these Mm -hmm. things is your pleasure to own. It is your medicine. And and that's really hard to do until you're actually in those processes, being held in these spaces by people um, who, yeah, who have really walked the path, you know, <laughs> as opposed to just learning the lingo and, and being on trend. So I don't know if I've kind of moved into controversial town a little bit more there, but I think that's just where your words really inspired me to to. Um, to dig about. It's like, yeah, the ideas of grief and pleasure, they're they're quite sexy, but like what does it actually mean? Right. To be with right. them. Yeah. Yes. A quick interruption to my conversation with Mary to give you the lowdown on a really special three-day live event I'm hosting online on the 16th, 17th, and 18th of May. 
And this event is for you if you have experienced a major loss or a change or life transition, and it could be recently or maybe it was some time ago. But whatever the case, you have noticed that whatever ways you've been soothing yourself or simply managing during this time, they're no longer working for you. You are tired of merely existing and you're ready to follow your curiosity again. You're ready to follow glimmers of possibility that you've been shut down to and for very good reason. Now, if this is you, you're invited to join me for this three-day online experience absolutely free. This event is called Glimmer and my intention is for you to walk away feeling different after our time together, feeling like you've been plugged back into life force in some way. And I want you to know that as with all my embodiment offerings that tend to grief, Glimmer is not about finding like a shallow hope in depths of despair. No, it is also not about bypassing the dark with the light. It's not about mining gold from tragedy. And it's certainly not about dismissing or avoiding reality. What Glimmer is, is an opportunity for you to locate a spark of wanting, a flicker of warmth and a connection to yourself in the midst of or the aftermath of loss or great change that provides you with a new path forward. So if this lands for you, then go ahead and register at kateleeper.com slash glimmer or see the show notes for the link. All the sessions will be recorded if they don't suit your schedule or time zone. So I encourage you to just jump in and see what might happen if you choose to follow the glimmer. Now back to my chat with Mary. Completely relate. Mm -hmm. And I think it's normal and very human to want to like put our grief on a diet Mm -hmm. with like seven simple steps, you know, to... (laughs) processing the loss of your parent or whatever it is yeah, because it gives us a container um and and those tools can be helpful but just like anything in the organic world grief is I think something that can my experience is that my grief is something I can only relate to it's not something I can control Uh, yeah and a way that I've really been able to access a lot of pleasure around grief is through art mm-hmm. and through beauty. I find that whenever I create, like, I remember I have a podcast podcast episode called Healing Grief Through Beauty mm-hmm. that I recorded uh, the week before my dog died. And just recounting all the times in my life where I felt so in the bottom of the well of grief and that the only thing that brought relief was creating art that showed where I was. You know, I remember Mm. creating this little zine uh, also when I was grieving a relationship. And it was called Love Grief. How long is too long? (laughs) (laughs) And on the first page, it said, 
love grief sometimes feels like a smelly sponge sitting on my heart. And it had a picture of like an old sponge, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there was, um, you know, pages with quotes about grief and love, like Maya Angelou's quote, something, something along the lines of always have the courage to love one more time and one more time. Mm. And, you know, it, I just remember it was a Sunday. It was the new year. I was so depressed. I felt so alone. And I can't say, you know, again, like I see so many parallels in the world of personal growth and diet culture. Yeah. And I think that the link between them is capitalism of like, if I do this and if I do it right, then I'll feel better. And I, and feeling better means not having to feel. Yes. You know? And when I made that scene, it was like, I felt better, not because the grief had moved on, but the grief became something beautiful. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I was just flash, flashing straight back to this enormous um, activation of creative energy that I experienced after my sister died in the, like, the, I mean, look, there's a few angles that I can, I can look at this through. And uh, I now know in retrospect that my nervous system was just in major sympathetic charge. Mm -hmm. I, and, and that was not sustainable, of course. Mm -hmm. And yet there was this energy in me, this creative impulse in me that had to come out. And so when you speak to this sense of capturing where you're at and putting it out in the world to be seen, to be visible, to be felt, because mm -hmm. it, it can't be contained. You know, it feels like it's eating you alive, even if if that the texture of that is more of a kind of um, depressive energy, a parasympathetic kind of uh, experience, or if it is, in my case, this fire. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I can't hold this mm -hmm. world. Look at it, see it, feel it, <laughs> you know, have right. this. Um, and it was extraordinary. I mean, I basically launched this entire body of work that then kind of sustained me for oh, about three years in terms of, uh, yeah, like the, it was meaty, you know, and it was really, it was really born of something very important to me. And yet, uh, it was the most raw, I think my creativity had ever been so raw. And I think that's why it resonated so much. And yet it's like, well, how do we do that? How do we use art and trust our creative impulse in those, in the crisis of grief, in the storm of grief that I kind of speak to that, that the proximity to grief that just feels all consuming. How do we do that whilst also ensuring that we're caring for ourselves, um, mm -hmm. ensuring that 
somehow we are retaining a sense of boundary around the preciousness mm-hmm. of our grief as well. Does that make sense to you when I, I ask totally. that? Yeah. Totally. I remember when my marriage ended, which it ended very suddenly, the actual separation happened very suddenly. And I wrote a book. <laughs> I wrote a whole book within wow. like a month. Wow. Um, as my previous burlesque persona, Kitty Cavalier, I wrote a book about seduction. And it was a wonderfully effective lollipop to the grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I get it. And it was a wonderful way to delude myself, which kept me going. God bless it. That this wasn't going to be as hard as I thought it was, you know, because I had this massive creative impulse. What I wish I had known back then was I was listening to Jen Hatmaker on Mm -hmm. Glennon Doyle's podcast recently. And she was saying that when her marriage ended, Brene Brown sat her down and said, listen, the only thing that matters right now is your sleep, Mm -hmm. your blood sugar, you know, the way you care for your body, the way you go to therapy, like that was real. That took me a good six years to really understand, you know, yeah, yeah. a couple of years of just really, I mean, I remembered saying to myself, you know, everybody always says the first year is the hardest after divorce. And so if I were having surgery, I would take anesthesia So I'm just going to go to a year of conscious unconsciousness and make a choice to just drink and spend and date my way through this first year. And um, yeah, like we do. Yeah. And, and yeah. So what I wish that I had known was that I can write the book. Like I don't have to dive into, um, being an overachiever at feeling my feelings mm-hmm. when I'm at gr- in grief, mm-hmm. but I will really, really help myself if I set some boundaries around just the basics. Yeah. Eating protein and drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is you don't feel you're not faced with the ramifications of not doing that until years down the track. And there's fresh grief in that. I'm aware of that big time. I'm really navigating that myself. And so I'm just like, (laughs) yes, Mary. Um, And so we are going to fuck that up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just, I'm just hoping that this conversation right here, right now, there's just a knowing in you know, if you need to know this, if you need to hear this right now, it's like, okay, where am I overriding those really basic needs? Even if, as you say, it's for the good of feeling my feelings, you know, like you're doing it right. You're doing grief right by Uh feeling it, (laughs) Uh by being embodied in it. That's wonderful. And, Uh and, where are you really just honoring your sleep, your uh, your time, your precious time and space to just be with your body, 
in tenderness and slowness and nourishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I needed this. Yeah. <laughs> I needed this conversation yeah. five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I think too, like something else that I wish I had known that I feel like I'm just starting to understand now is that line between self-care, which can sometimes feel like work and drudgery and just simple, healthy comfort. Mm. You know, like I remember one time being in a therapy session and it was so deep and intense. And afterwards I was trembling and I said to my therapist, you know, I'm no uh, stranger to trying to feel my feelings. And yet when I'm in this state, I, it's like, it's too overwhelming. And she said something so helpful, which was, honey, you earned your feel your feelings badge today. Go home and watch Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, amen. And just yeah. like offering that little tender care bear inside of myself, the fuzzy blanket and the warm soup, you know, which is just like so different than going to the gym and meditating. Totally. You know, that's right. That's right. It's, uh, and this is where our own bodies are just so wise. And mm-hmm. so, yes, there is all of these big, bold, beautiful ways to be with our grief. And there's also the warm, fuzzy blanket. There's the Downton yeah. Abbey. Yes. Yeah. Yes, totally. What an important reminder, you know, for those times, um, particularly if you do identify as a highly sensitive person, a you know, a human that that really just soaks up the intensity of the world and feels like, well, if I can't do anything about that, then I've got to heal myself, you know, and there's this Mm -hmm. huge, um, yeah, I don't know. Often I feel like it's, it's like, why can't I figure myself out? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why can't I just at least get, yeah, I've got all the tools. I've got all the knowledge. I've got all the support networks. I've got all of these things. So like, why do I still feel this way? Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself in that space? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. And I feel like the ultimate healing work one can do, or at least that I am doing, is removing the illusion that anyone doesn't feel like that. You know, and I, I know this because for years in my work, I felt the pressure to seem like I had it all together. And, you know, here I am this ambassador of my brand and I have ripe plums on my dining room table and, you know, fresh sheep's milk in a glass <laughs> container in my fridge. And meanwhile, there's like expired eggs and nothing else. You know? Right, right. And and I do see this in the growth, development, vulnerability space is more and more people just telling the truth yeah, about what it is and what it feels like to be human. And that the, like what I appreciate about your work 
is the invitation to stop trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. and instead feel your way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you sure as hell, well, I sure as hell have not been able to do that in isolation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how hard I try. And that is the ultimate reminder for me. And I think that's also why I love having this podcast now. It's been, it's such balm <laughs> to have mm-hmm. these conversations with women who, in my eyes, are just phenomenal representations of of full-bodied humans just making their way through this chaotic existence, but in in really honest, uh, honest, open ways, but who are creating. And and I just, you know, I'm enthralled by the energy and the expression of women like you. And yet to come into this space and to just receive the balm of yeah, this shit's really hard. <laughs> and this mm-hmm. is this is one part of me that yes, that is huge, that is true. That is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And also <laughs> I'm crumbling over here. And <laughs> um and I I love that you this potent reminder that when we remember time and time again that actually nobody's got this figured out mm-hmm. that oh it's so powerful mm-hmm. it's so powerful the pretense is just crippling sometimes you mm-hmm. know? well and I so appreciate that link with isolation mm-hmm. you know because I think not having it figured out pardon the sound of my dog flapping her ears <laughs> I don't know if y'all can hear that but <laughs> um I think that the suffering, I know for myself, the suffering doesn't necessarily come from the thing itself. It comes from the belief that I have to fix it and there's something wrong with me that I feel it and that I'm going to be alone forever. And this is why I fucked up my life. Right. You know, and then, and it's like, I am tired already. And so where am I going to get the energy to address this thing from, you know, And then when I hear that somebody else goes through it too, or thinks it or feels it, and I'm like, oh, you know, that, like, I don't have to treat that part of myself. Like I'm the stuck up superior prom queen. Mm -hmm. And it's this dorky wallflower. Like Mm -hmm. I can be the high school student who's like nice and embracing (laughs) and, you know, makes a difference in people's lives um, through how I treat these parts of myself. But I can't, like you, like you said, like, I can't do that alone, trapped in my own mind. That's right. And so much of that has to do with being real and just yeah. very, you know, the the moment we are real, we invite people into our world who want to know that realness and mm-hmm. then intimacy is possible. If we, the energy that it takes, because I know I, I tried it for a number of years, 
<laughs> the energy that it takes trying to pretend that, yeah, you... I've got this. I am a I am a specialist. I know my, you know, I know my things. Um and yet yeah, like I mean that is exhausting and it is just a barrier to deep relationship. Mm-hmm. Very simply it is a barrier to deep relationship and mm-hmm. and there yeah, we just we cannot move forward until we just show up. Mm-hmm. what's and all as they say mm-hmm. um so thank you for reflecting that <laughs> mm-hmm. thank you for being in this honest open conversation with me um i would love to invite my audience to check out mary's gorgeous podcast come to your senses it is just absolutely delicious and and i I don't know. It's it fills me up every time I listen. It's just mm. like this beautiful tonic. So other than that, Mary, I know that for anyone who's listening today who just needs a bit more of you, a bit more Mary, um, <laughs> I know that you have um a really beautiful offering. Uh, it's like an embodied drop-in experience meditation. Can you tell us mm. a bit more about that and where um people might find it? Yeah. Thanks for asking. It's funny because just like we're talking about one day I was looking around the internet and just felt so bombarded by the message to live my, sorry, that's my, okay, honey. Okay. That's my dog chewing one of my folders because she wants to go out. Yeah. The folder is the next best thing. (laughs) Um, One day I was surfing the internet and just looking at all these websites that were just intrusively telling me to live my best life. Mm. And I thought, God, I really just wish someone would tell me that like, I'm beautiful and I can lay down. And so I created this seven minute prayer poem called lay down beauty. Mm. And it's simply something that you can listen to that has a poetic flavor. It's not necessarily a meditation where you have to do anything, not that you have to do anything in meditation, but it's not a specific skill. It's really just a receptive experience to Mm -hmm. get back in your body. And so you can find that at schoolofsensualliving.com, which is my Mm -hmm. website. And the specific page is slash relax, R-E-L-A-X. Mm, oh my gosh. I've, I have experienced it and it is just, it's just so beautiful. It is. I mean, talk about self-care. It's like just an experience like that can set you up for a day of just so much more presence and gentleness. And so, yeah, I just wholeheartedly recommend that you check out Mary's work. We will put uh, the link to that drop-in in the show notes, as well as um, where everybody can find you and social media, Mary. Thank Is there you. anything else before we close that you just feel like you need to say or share? Hmm. Let me pause with that for a moment. 
Just that I'm really grateful to be in a conversation around the realities of grief. And, you know, I look to you, Kate, as like such a sensual, such a feminine being. And I just really appreciate the way that you've chosen this one particular aspect of the human experience to bring more humanity and more of that energy of the feminine. Recently, I was doing a little bit of research on the etymology of the word feminine. And Mm. one of the root words is, um, well, the meaning of it is suckle, Mm -hmm. like a baby suckling Mm -hmm. and nursing. And I just, you know, I love that imagery of feminine just being this like open, receptive, nourished nectar. And so I just really appreciate the way that you bring that medicine to this often scary uh, place where we don't really have a map or a co- or a compass mm-hmm. in mm. uh, this culture. And so thanks. Thanks for bringing the suckle. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end. I tell you what. <laughs> Ah, I, what a joy to bring the suckle and to suckle. (laughs) (laughs) So amazing, Mary. It's just, I wish we were closer. We are on the other side of the world from one another, but um, yeah, what a, what a privilege to spend this time with you and um, yeah, to connect deeply. Thank you, Mary. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family, and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leaper. I'd love to hear from you.